Oh, I love our marketing and communications team. They do a great job, don't they? Their goal in life is to lower the standards of the president's office as much as they possibly can. No, in fact, their goal is to, um, like all of us, to welcome our new students and returning students well. And so I really appreciate the creative work that they do in um, lowering some of the barriers that might exist uh, to help our students feel a little bit more at home. Liz Strauch, Nate Lewis, and Kat Wagner were instrumentally involved in that video. And so I want to give them a big shout out. So thank you. Jason, thank you for your kind remarks. It's so encouraging, isn't it, to hear a board member's perspective about their confidence in what we're doing here at Whitworth. And Jason is exactly right. Julie and I feel absolutely called to this place. We feel that this is our highest professional privilege in life, to serve you and to serve our students. We are as excited as we've ever been about the Whitworth Project. I also know that I am an imperfect person an imperfect president. And after nine years, you know most of those imperfections. Um, but what encourages me is that we do this work together and that we each bring our imperfect selves to, um, frankly, a mission that uh, serves a perfect God. And that gives me great confidence and joy. And so, Jason, thank you for your show of support here today from the board. I also want to thank my partner in life, Julie, for her uh, important role in helping me to serve you and our students. This really is a team effort. Um, we are both absolutely sold out for Whitworth, so Julie, thank you for all that you do for this community as well. Greg and Randy, great job for setting the tone. We're so grateful for good enrollment results. Everything really stems from en enrollment. It gives us the lift in our heels that we need, um, the wind in our sails, so thank you so much for the, the good reports you did. And Jacinda, we are so grateful to have you as a part of our community. You are such uh, a joy to work with, and if you haven't had an opportunity yet to meet Jacinda, you will have an opportunity this uh, Friday, I believe at 1030, uh, we'll host a very uh, casual reception in front of Ald House. And so I would encourage you to stop by and meet Jacinda and the entire HR team that does uh, such a great uh, job for us here at the university. And lastly, isn't our university looking great right now? It's just <laughs> wonderful. And I know that each of us has various rhythms in our years, and not all of us count the days uh, through the academic calendar. Uh, many of us use the last several months to recharge and to recoup and to think anew about our roles, but so many of us were here on campus ensuring that our a campus is ready for this great class. And so I just want to give a shout out to all of you who were here this summer holding down the fort. But particularly, I want to give a great shout out to our facility services team and our grounds team for the great work that they do. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you. It is right that we feel joy and excitement and anticipation right now as we enter um, as we begin Whitworth's 130th academic year. But it is also important that we stop and recognize that our community has suffered loss. Um, this summer, this past year, 
I know that many of you have lost loved ones um, over the past year. Um, you're dealing with sickness or family members are dealing with sickness. Uh, I want you to know that the captain and I spend the first 30 minutes of every week's meeting praying for you, praying for the needs within our community, uh, offering up those prayers of support to our God. Uh, we are in this with you, and um, uh, we stand with those of you who have suffered tremendous loss this year. Institutionally, of course, um, we are feeling the sting. How do I use this? Oh, I got to point it. There we go. Um, we are uh, feeling the sting of two um, uh, devastating losses. Of course, Dr. Patrick Van Inwagen and our political science department passed away after a courageous battle with cancer earlier this summer. And then our campus was shocked to learn of rising sophomore Charlene Jackson's uh, death later in the summer. Um, so we just want to pause right now and acknowledge our grief, acknowledge our feelings. Um, we are uh, particularly mindful of Charlene's friends and family members. I want you to know that um, you would be proud of the Whitworth community, the ways in which our student life staff and our chapel staff came around that family and really were the hands and feet of Christ for Charlene's family uh, during that time. And we also want to be keeping Patrick's colleagues and friends in our prayers, particularly in the political science department, but so many of us had interactions uh, with Patrick in a number of different ways. So it's important for us to recognize that we are missing a couple of people as a part of our community at the beginning of this year um, that we deeply miss. I think I know enough, though, about Charlene and about Patrick to know that they, if they could, they would be here encouraging us, encouraging us to continue the important work that we're doing. Both of these individuals were strong, strong proponents and believers in what we do here at Whitworth. And so they would both remind us that our role this year, as we lean into the year, is to continue to live out faithfully the mission that we all have signed up for, the mission that has stood the test of time, the mission that animates our work, that provides the lens by which and through which um, we come together to do the work that we've been called to here. That mission, of course, is to provide our diverse student body with an education of both mind and heart, equipping our graduates to honor God, follow Christ, and serve humanity. It's important that we start the year reminding ourselves that is what we're here to do. And I'm so grateful for each of you, the unique ways that you contribute to living faithfully this, this particular mission. So thank you for that. Our vision statement also calls us to aspire to greater things, specifically that we will deepen our commitments to academic excellence and to the integration of faith and learning and equip our graduates to respond to the ways in which they're being summoned into the world with intellectual competence, with moral courage, and with deep compassion. And we're gonna do that by continuing to think well about how we educate students through experiential learning, uh, we know that postgraduate preparation is becoming increasingly important for our students. And by doing all of these things, we hope to continue Whitworth's trajectory as one of the finest Christian liberal arts comprehensive universities in the world. We are um, entering into our last two years of the Whitworth 2021 strategic plan. For those of you who have been around a while, um, this is the plan that has been really calling us to think um, uh, strategically about where we go as a university. I'm so grateful 
for the progress that we have made. If you have not looked recently at uh, the website, the Whitworth 2021 website, I would encourage you to do that. You would be encouraged to see how much progress we've made on so many of our goals and objectives. But we have two more years to go to live into this very ambitious strategic plan. And I'm grateful for the university council's uh, leadership on this, the cabinet's leadership. We've got a lot of work still to do, and I'm excited. These are just uh, the eight goals that I think all of you are familiar with that really um, outline our work together. So two more years uh, to go as we complete the strategic plan. So if you uh, have been to a State of the University address, um, <laughs> Before, you know that I try to do many things and probably too many things, but one of the things I think we should do is pause and reflect and celebrate all the great things that happened last year. We ought to begin this year by thanking God and celebrating all of the wonderful things that as a community we were able to accomplish together. Uh, so that's what I'm going to do. We're going to go quickly, so hang on to your seats. Uh, of course, the risk of doing this is that I'm going to leave somebody or something out. Um, so please know that this is not a, a total list of your individual accomplishments or your department's accomplishments, but at least it's a, a good way to start the year by naming a few things. First, at the institutional level, um, rankings continue to elevate and affirm what we're doing. U.S. News and World Report continues to rank us among the top 10 regional universities in the West, number two for undergraduate teaching, number four for service to our veterans, number uh, uh, five for best value, and uh, just this year, uh, number 69 among all U.S. institutions for the quality of our online graduate education programs, which we're very excited about. So way to go, School of Education. Uh, just recently, Kiplinger's ranked us the 65th best value in the entire country among private institutions. Again, once again, uh, reclaiming and affirming this idea that not only are we good, but we try to do it in a way that partners with families and students economically. Um, for the second time in three years, our university was awarded the uh, Insight Magazine Higher Education Excellence and Diversity Award. Uh, this is a very prestigious honor that honors the work that we're doing here at Whitworth around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we remain the only Christian university in the country that has received this particular award. And so we're very grateful uh, to Lorna and to Sean and to um, Steffi and to all of those who are giving uh, work and service to diversity, equity, and inclusion on campus. Um, as you know, we are concentrating our efforts more and more on how we can serve our veteran population and those prospective students who are connected to military families. And uh, once again, we received the military-friendly designation from Victory Media. Uh, shout out to Caleb McElraith and Brandon Pyle for the work they did in getting our beautiful campus designated as a Tree Campus USA by the Arbor Day Foundation. That's a significant award and uh, really a lot of work went into that. So let's give those two a round of applause for that. And then um, our students continue to select volunteer work in the Peace Corps at a record rate. And this year we were once again named among the nation's top small institutions for placing Peace Corps volunteers among our students. Of course, Greg uh, mentioned that we are uh, enjoying now for the second year in a row uh, record university enrollment. 
it was not that long ago when we were experiencing the kind of enrollment volatility that um, made life difficult for us. And so we're very grateful we don't take uh, where we are for granted. Um, we are also grateful for the work that our faculty are doing in terms of receiving external grant support. Uh, this year, just in the academic area, we raised more than $550,000 to support the work um, that faculty members are doing. This is not all of the money that we're raising from external sources through grants and foundations, but primarily those that are directed toward the academic area. And so we're very grateful and uh, excited about that work. The faculty did a wonderful thing last year. Um, after at least two years, maybe three of conversations around our general education now called our shared curriculum, they overwhelmingly passed, I think, an exciting and innovative and mission-based shared curriculum that will serve as the core of the Whitworth undergraduate experience for many years to come. And so we are very grateful and excited about that. Um, Jason already mentioned the marriage and family therapy program, and I think uh, Randy mentioned that it did receive initial accreditation this last year. And so to Doug Jones and to all of those folks, congratulations. And for those of you who have been uh, at Whitworth for many years, you know this next bullet point is a long time in coming. Uh, we are on the cusp of receiving uh, accreditation from the Association to Advance Collegiate Schools of Business International, which is the uh, premier accreditation, accreditation agency for business schools. And to, so to Tim Wilkinson and to all the faculty and staff of the School of Business, I know we're not across the finish line yet, but we are close. So congratulations on that, and we'll be expecting a visit. Where's Ron? Ron, stand up, Ron, our new dean of the School of Education. Welcome. Glad to have you. Randy's shoes are pretty big, but I think you're going to do okay. He's kind of a bragger, if you haven't already noticed. So you'll just, you'll just want to watch your back a little bit. Okay. Uh, we had our honors, uh, inaugural honors Smithsonian semester. I think many of you know that we've been sending students uh, during Jan term uh, to the Smithsonian. This last January was a little bit more difficult than usual because of the government shutdown. But in the fall, uh, we had students at uh, the Smithsonian for the entire semester, and so we're excited about that program. This has already been mentioned, but our Whitworth MBA program has surpassed 100 students for the first time. And uh, as Jason and Randy and others have said, that school is really on the rise here locally in our community. Um, and then Dr. Dale Soden and the university celebrated 20 years of the Weyerhaeuser Center for Christian Faith and Learning this last year's Dale here anyway. We're, we're very uh, grateful for Dale's leadership. And um, he published a fairly short piece that kind of details all of the work that the Weyerhaeuser Center has done over the past 20 years. If you're interested in that, I would encourage you to ask him for a copy. It really is exciting and uh, says a lot about the work that the Weyerhaeuser Center has done. Well, we're very excited about the expansion of our graduate programs in the health sciences. Specifically, our faculty passed the initial phases of our Doctor of Physical Therapy program, Doctor of Occupational Therapy program, and we were excited as well to hire Dr. Greg Wentz, who is our new uh, Occupational Therapy Doctoral Program Director. Is Greg in the house anywhere? Stand up, Greg. Let's welcome Greg. Welcome. 
We stole Greg from Pacific University, and we're excited about that as well. <laughs> um, forensics. We continue to do an amazing job. Uh, Mike Ingram is here up front, leads our forensics team. Uh, let's see, I also wanted to mention Rebecca Korf as well, her important work. Uh, but our Whitworth forensics team, once again, uh, dominated the uh, forensics landscape, winning for the seventh time in eight, eight years the National Christian College Championship, and also placing very high nationally over the season's worth of work. And so our debaters and forensics team continue to do amazingly well. Our Whit Whitworth Eth Ethics Bowl team, so add Keith Wyma to that list of accolades, uh, recently won the National Intercollegiate Ethics Bowl. This is the national championship among all schools for the third time in eight years. And so, uh, so grateful for both of those programs and for the experience that it gives to our students. There you go, Mike. When we put Whitworth students up against other students, they typically do very well. Our School of Business students for five years in a row have won the regional CFA challenge, and so they continue that particular streak. I think they're gonna name the trophy after Whitworth here pretty soon. Um, so we're, we're excited about them. And then I think uh, for the first time, the Whitworth Wind Symphony, under the direction of uh, Dr. Richard Strauch, uh, invited to perform at the College Band Directors National Association. I think they just got another invitation to that particular uh, opportunity. So to Rich and to those uh, ensemble members, we, we're, we're, we uh, congratulate you. Um, I think most of you know that Whitworth was the founding partner in the Act 6 leadership program. It, that leadership program now spans 16 different universities uh, as far uh, east, I think, as Ohio now. And uh, in the spring at commencement, if you were present, we bestowed an honorary doctoral degree upon Tim Heron, the founder of that program. Um, I'm happy to report that among all of those programs, Whitworth continues to rank number one in student satisfaction. Um, so to Sean Washington and to his team, we're so grateful for the good work that you're doing there. Um, our Bucks Bridge program, Bucks there stands for Building Unity, Cultivating Success. Uh, that bridge program, which serves our traditionally underrepresented students and first-generation college students, kicked off this week. We've expanded that program, and we're seeing amazing results in terms of retention there. So we'll continue to, to keep an eye on that. Um, Rosetta Rhodes and her team have formulated a lending library now. Again, the idea is to try to keep the cost of textbook acquisition as low as possible for our students. We all know how expensive textbooks are, and so now students have the opportunity to go and check out very expensive textbooks from a fairly decent uh, repository. Faculty members, as you are changing additions to your textbooks, if previous editions would suffice, um, if you would donate those editions to the lending library, that would be uh, an amazing contribution. Uh, I've already introduced Jacinda, but we're so grateful to have Jacinda as part of our HR team uh, and looking forward to her continued service. Really excited about this. After a couple of years of talking with Rockwood, which as you know is our region's kind of leading area for adult senior assisted living, uh, we have formulated a partnership with uh, Rockwood for their East Hawthorne site just down the road, now branded Rockwood at 
Whitworth. And here this fall, I think you're going to start seeing some demolition and some dirt turning, but there's going to be a more than $60 million residence facility going up where that current facility uh, is. And uh, more than providing a home potentially for alumni who want to return and live close to campus or others who want to be close to the Whitworth uh, community or retiring staff and faculty members. Um, <laughs> more importantly than that, the idea of intergenerational learning and the opportunity for our students to interact with these residents is going to be tremendous both ways. Our students are going to benefit from the wisdom and the experience that those residents have, and those residents are going to benefit from the interaction with our students. So lots of opportunities here for program uh, development. Um, lots of building going on already on campus. I know that uh, some of you have already seen the nearly completed Megan E. Thompson Aquatic Center. That's the new name for it, honoring our donors uh, who uh, contributed uh, more than a million dollars for that particular project. If you've not been in the Aquatic Center recently, it is absolutely transformed and a great facility. Cole's Auditorium, just right over here, is a mess, um, but it's a better mess than it was earlier in the summer. So they're doing a good job keeping that construction project contained, but we're expecting to move into that new facility um, at the end of the year or at the latest, um, the very beginning of the year. And then our Athletic Leadership Center continues to sprout over by the field house. That facility won't be ready for occupancy until early summer next year. But all three of those projects are important ones for us as we continue to shape the landscape of our, of our campus. Um, of course, we, we always have things that are on the horizon, things that we're planning for. Uh, a few of those things include a new Hawthorne Road campus store and coffee shop. Uh, we're partnering with our Sodexo partners and um, uh, hoping to move our bookstore out of the hub and into a new retail facility that will give that facility more exposure. The new health sciences facility, I know Greg is very interested in this project. Our new DPT and o OTD programs, of course, will be located there. Um, our current health sciences programs will benefit as well from this new facility. Our board will be looking at specific plans for the beginning of that project uh, in October. That then, talk about domino effects, that will require us to move facility services from their current location, which is where our new health sciences facilities will go, to a new location on Waikiki Road. Many of you know that Whitworth recently acquired the old Whitworth water property going down the hill. Um, on Waikiki, so we'll be moving our great facility services team uh, to that location. Um, if Greg and team continue to recruit these large classes, uh, we're going to have to build a new residence hall. Uh, we had to take uh, the village out of mothballs, which really saddens me, uh, because you know one of my promises as president is that I will be the president that eventually tears down the rest of the village. Um, <laughs> So if, 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 unlike the board, if you're ready for me to leave the university, um, you need to help me with the strategy to get rid of the village, because I'm not leaving until we get rid of the village. 
Um, but we are going to start envisioning what a new residence hall looks like and what taking down the village will mean for us. And then a much-needed um, interdisciplinary innovation lab that will serve our engineering department, but also uh, so many other areas, including our arts um, as well. Those are all things that donors are looking at and that our board is looking at and that we're trying to find plans uh, to move forward on. Uh, Ken Brown and Ken Pekka, those two teams continue to do a, a wonderful job. If you don't notice technology, that means that they're doing a great job. And I don't know about you, but I don't notice technology very often. And that's because it's so consistent and it's so high quality. Um, there's so much that goes into that that I do not understand uh, and that we don't understand. But we're so grateful for Ken and Ken and their teams for keeping um, our uh, technological resources up to date. Um, oh, it is sensitive. Uh, medical benefits increased uh, this year. Uh, we're very grateful to be able to pass along some of those savings. Uh, if you haven't noticed yet, your uh, health um, reimbursement account is bigger this year. Uh, and for those who are including dependents on your insurance plans, the university was able to cost share more of that this year and pass along that savings to you in the form of lower premiums. So we're happy to do that. Um, uh, we officially increased the number of paid holidays this past year to 16 per year. Uh, since I've been president, I think, and maybe even before that, we've been historically granting, I think, good vacation time, particularly around the Christmas holidays. Um, but that's been a year-to-year -year decision on behalf of cabinet. We don't debate it very often, I'll be honest with you, we're happy to grant those. But this year we actually codified those, so going forward, uh, those will always be holidays, paid holidays for um, employees here. Easy to do. Um, comprehensive classification and comp compensation study has been launched. Descenda and Larry are leading that process, and we're hoping to learn a lot about how we can improve uh, in so many ways around both classification and compensation at the university. Uh, Scott McQuilkin and Stacy Smith and Tad Wisner and all the major gift team and all the back office processing and alumni uh, area and parents area, all of these folks can take credit on the best fundraising year in Whitworth's history, uh, raising more than $15.5 million this last year uh, for uh, us, for the university, for our students. Let's give them a round of applause. This is a big deal. When I arrived at Whitworth uh, nine years ago, Scott and I, he was new in his role at that time, we sat down and we started dreaming together. And at that point, we were raising seven, eight, sometimes nine million dollars a year. And we both said, what is it gonna take for Whitworth to achieve its goals going forward in terms of the kind of campus we want to be? And we both then, we thought we were a little crazy at the time, maybe we were, we both then named a number. We said, Whitworth needs to be raising 15 million dollars a year in order to do you know, what we want to do as a community. And so this is the first time we've surpassed that mark and we're very grateful. That takes our campaign for Whitworth total past $127 million. Uh, that campaign will wrap up in a couple of years when our strategic plan expires. 
Um, Michelle Drennan is here. We established the Office of University Events. This is a, a partnership organization that will come alongside all of you who are doing hundreds, if not thousands of events on campus, off campus, to ensure that you have all the resources you need. Um, uh, Stacy Hatcher uh, launched the Women's Leadership Network this year, which serves uh, our uh, wonderful uh, women and female alumni and friends, both in Seattle and in Spokane. The uh, response for this has been amazing, and we're very grateful for it. Um, Julie and my Julie and Michelle have started the new student ambassadors program. You're going to see 12 student ambassadors this year serving our community in new ways, and we're excited to introduce them to you. Um, Nancy Hines and Trisha Coder continue to do amazing jobs telling the Whitworth story out in traditional media. And this year they inform me, or over two years, they inform me that our media mentions have gone up by 37.5%. And so we'll continue to work uh, to tell the Whitworth story to broader and broader audiences. Switching gears to campus ministry, so grateful to Forrest and to Lauren and to Steffi and the entire team. Lauren Taylor um, has been leading our life groups effort now for the first full year. Uh, some of you have led life groups. These are wonderful opportunities to get to know our students. And so I would encourage you, if you're interested in meeting once a week with a group of students, Julie and I have hosted these groups in our home. It's just a fabulous job to plug into campus ministry and encourage you to do that. Um, unveiled, uh, a multicultural student-led worship service was launched this year, largely due to student leadership, um, but we're hopeful to continue to find, and I know campus ministry is hopeful to continue to find ways to connect with our diverse student population. Uh, Forrest and others uh, led the first pilot of Brenda Salter McNeil's curriculum on the Roadmap to Reconciliation. I know many of you participated in that project. We're going to be rolling that out in various areas across campus over the next several years, so pay close attention for that. Um, through the Office of Church Engagement, that area continues to shine. 70 students were deployed this year as summer ministry interns. Through that Office of Church Engagement, more than 280 students over the past five years uh, these are students who are getting fabulous experiences out in uh, vocational ministry work. Um, the Office of Church Engagement is uh, also in the grants uh, business, and I mentioned that we were raising a lot of external funds uh, through our grants office. The Office of Church Engagement has been um, a star in that area. Um, one of the grants they received this last year was a $1.5 million grant from the Lilly Endowment to equip their calling communities, of which they la uh, launched six this year. Um, they also received a $1 million Lilly Endowment grant for leadership development for church planters. And so they're very engaged in that work as well. Um, so grateful to Terry McGonigal, to Mindy Smith, to Jerry Sitzer, and the entire Office of Church Engagement team. Their online Academy of Discipleship program continues to grow. Um, and this year we rebranded the WIM, the Whitworth Institute for Ministry, the Whitworth Ministry Summit, and we hosted 200 people on our campus for a fabulous week of ministry and training. I'm grateful to Lorna Hernandez-Jarvis um, and her work as Chief Diversity Officer and all of the members of the University Diversity Committee and Cabinet for their work in executing on and delivering our Diversity Action Plan. 
we made tremendous progress. The cabinet reviewed the progress we've made last year. I'm not gonna get into all of that right now, but I wanna thank you for the efforts you're making to live into our commitments uh, to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Let's give that a round of applause, thank you. Through Lorna's office, she has um, been spreading what little money she has around uh, very effectively to try uh, to give mini grants to faculty and staff to support work in your activities around campus. Um, she uh, established the first faculty, staff, and student awards around diversity, equity, and inclusion and gave those this past year. Um, and I know, uh, how many of you participated in a workshop that Lorna gave this year, Any, even one workshop. Look at how many hands are going up here. Um, as Lorna continues to provide training and workshops in this area, I highly encourage you uh, to participate. They are really transformative, and the, the word that I'm getting back is that uh, they're, they're fantastic. Uh, we are making some improvements to Hendrick Hall. As Greg mentioned, 50% of our class now either identify as historically underrepresented or first-generation college students or international students. Hendrick Hall, that facility is meant to serve all of those students. And so that double wide uh, has long since uh, left its usefulness. And so we're grateful for that space. We're trying to upgrade that space, but we need to be thinking long-term about how we build new spaces for those students. Uh, turning again, turning uh, the page to our uh, Pirate Athletics program, Go Bucks. Uh, we won our 12th straight McElroy Lewis Trophy. If you don't know what that is, get with it. Um, that is the best, most competitive athletic program in the Northwest Conference. Let's give our coaches, athletic trainers, athletic staff. And not only do we dominate on the field of play, we dominate in the classroom as well. Once again, Whitworth had the most uh, scholar athletes in the Northwest Conference uh, again this year. So uh, hats off to all of our wonderful student athletes and your support of them. Football, men's swimming, baseball came away with some hardware this past year. For the second year in a row, we had a female athlete named a Northwest Conference Woman of the Year, and multiple, multiple All-American, academic All-American, all-regional awards were handed out to our students. So that's just a quick synopsis, as quick as I could make it, frankly, um, of the kinds of achievements that we can celebrate. I hope that you saw yourself somewhere in those bullet points. I hope as you saw some of those achievements, you said, yeah, that's the part of the university I'm touching. That's what I'm supporting. That's how I'm engaging with our students in the mission of the institution. Um, we can all take credit and of course give God thanks for the work that's going on here. Okay, let me uh, switch over to financial results. I always like to update the community on where we are financially. Fortunately, given Greg and Randy's report, um, it's mostly good news although we always have some challenges that we are looking at, and so I wanna briefly mention um, where we are for you. So if we think about the fiscal year that just concluded, uh, so this is the June 30th fiscal year that we just concluded this past summer, uh, what can I say about that? Well, we started the year with record enrollment 
but we missed our revenue target. And I won't get into all the reasons why we did, but it was a function of many things. Uh, more financial aid than we expected to have to give, uh, some continued tweaking and recalibration of our financial models and other kinds of things. But we started about a million dollars behind where we really wanted to be uh, in at the beginning of this last year. As uh, Randy already mentioned, graduate revenue increased. Uh, Randy, I gave you credit for $200,000. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it is a win that continuing studies uh, economically continues to hold stable for us because we are in a tight employment environment right now, which isn't a great recruiting environment for continuing studies. So we're very grateful for those two revenue sources. You all continue to do a wonderful job at managing our revenues and expenses. And so I want to give you all a lot of credit. We continue to show very good judgment and make wise decisions uh, across the institution. So our auditors are on campus uh, right now. I will be meeting with our auditors tomorrow, but Larry uh, Probus and Luce Merkel assure me that we won't have any surprises. So uh, we will end the year with an approximate $300,000 overspend. Uh, some of you are used to hearing us talk about underspends. Uh, we just barely missed um, on an operating basis. But realize that's on a $72 million budget. That's uh, less than a half a percentage point. We still have very healthy uh, reserves as well. So uh, a really good operating year, uh, specifically given where we started uh, in the year. So we're, we're happy about that. Our endowment grew. It's been kind of an up and down year in the stock market. If you've been checking your 403Bs, I would suggest you don't do that. Uh, just <laughs> leave that money in there and forget about it. Um, but our endowment grew to about $156 million. And because of that and the positive endowment returns, the good fundraising year we had, some uh, transactions that the university did all for the good, our net assets, that is our total assets minus our total liabilities, our net assets increased by just over $9 million year over year to now $225 million. So the university financially is relatively healthy. But I always use the word fragility when I talk about health because we know that we are still in a season in higher education where we have to be responsive, we have to be forward-thinking, we have to be aggressive, uh, looking around the next corner, making sure that we continue to keep our institution financially viable. So what does this year look like, the year that we're currently in? Our total net revenue, uh, because of the good class and other factors, is expected to go up by uh, just shy of a million and a half dollars to 73.4 million. That is our operating budget this year, net of financial aid. Our revenue growth is helped by the healthy enrollment that we saw, but in a minute, I'll show you some challenges we have uh, that are common among institutions of our type uh, in terms of the amount of aid that we're having to give students. So we certainly celebrate every human soul that's coming to the institution. We want to educate those people well, but we also know in order to provide that expensive mind and heart education, we need them to bring dollars with them as well. And that on average is getting harder and harder for our industry. And I'll show you something in a minute to drive that point home. So we had about uh, 1.4 million extra dollars, if you think of it that way, to spend this year. How did we allocate those dollars in this year's budget? Almost all of it went to salary and benefits. Um, so I've already, well, <laughs> thank you, Mark. Uh, I know some of you were disappointed uh, to uh, receive only a 2% increase in the general pool this last year, 
but we really felt, I mean, you see the numbers, that that is really as much as we could do given some of the challenges that we're facing. The cabinet's gonna be working really hard this year to try to squeeze more room out of our budget, manage our budgets effectively, uh, make some important and difficult decisions so that we can give ourselves more flexibility. Uh, but we're very grateful um, as well for these results. Um, and so Greg did not mention this in his report, but we don't really need to be bringing 680 to 700 students in every year if we can allow those students to bring the kind of dollars with them that we need them to bring. And so we're gonna be really working and calibrating our financial aid model uh, going forward. Let me show you just a couple of pictures. If you're like me, I learn using pictures. Um, this is total full-time enrollment at the university. So this isn't a headcount. If you looked at headcount, we would be over 3,000 students. So this is full-time equivalent um, students. You'll see that university-wide, we're at an all-time high of uh, just over 2,800 full-time students. Uh, our traditional daytime program is just over 2,300 students. For those of you who have been around the university a while, you'll know that our 2021 goal for undergraduate enrollment was to stabilize it at right at 2,300 students. So we're really kind of right in that sweet spot uh, currently. And then you can see down below, very important enrollment in both graduate studies and in continuing studies. So that's kind of what the enrollment picture looks like. This is what the revenue picture looks like. Uh, to the left of the dotted line is actual. That's what we've actually seen. That's our performance over the past several years. To the right of the line is uh, our forecast, what we hope to be true if we're able to manage the variables that we want well. And what I want you to notice is that most of these lines over time are moving up and to the right. That is a good thing. Um, and so you can see how our total revenue of nearly 90 million, uh, excuse me, of nearly $72 million is broken down by our daytime program. Our uh, next is our auxiliary revenues. That's like room and board, things like that. And then below, still very important, our graduate studies and our continuing studies revenue. So that picture looks pretty good. Maybe it's not going up as fast as we would like, but that's a good picture, especially if you look at higher education today. This is a more challenging picture. So if you were to divide all of those revenues by the number of students that we have, and specifically our undergraduate students, so I'm here I'm just looking at undergraduate uh, tuition and fees. If we divide those revenues by the number of undergraduate students, you can see that each student is bringing less and less with them. If you read the Chronicle of Higher Education, if you read other industry magazines, you know that this is a trend that, is, that we're being faced with in private higher education today. In order to attract the students that Greg and his team are attracting, we're having to give them higher and higher financial aid packages, okay? And so while we try to keep tuition, at least the listed price of tuition, relatively comparable, we're having to give more and more aid uh, proportionally. So you can see that we are bringing in about 16,000, between 15 and $16,000 per student on the undergraduate side. That's the same amount of money we were bringing in five or six years ago, okay? So we've got some strategies, including our strategic enrollment plan, our new financial aid model, and other things that we hope will begin to pull us out of this. But we don't control all of those variables. 
And so we're really hoping for and we'll be managing toward uh, improving this picture. But that's a challenge for us. And so when you see record enrollment, which is a good thing, and then you see maybe not quite as generous budgets as you would expect to see, that's the story right there. We're not getting as many dollars per student. And of course, we know that all these students cost something to educate. And so that creates a challenge for us uh, financially. Okay, I want to update you on a couple of things. We're almost done. Last year at this time, I announced a three-year campaign to improve our university's retention and graduation rates. If you remember that presentation, I said that Whitworth is very good, and we have historically been very good at retaining our students and graduating our students. But we want to move from good to great in this area. And so I launched our Pirates Persist campaign, our uh, data analytics working group led by Ken Brown, our retention committee read by, led by Brooke Kiner and Rosetta Rhodes, used this past year to conduct a self-study and to begin to implement some new strategies and to highlight some existing strategies to help us in this area. Um, our goals are quite ambitious. Our goals are to move our first to second year retention, that is the percentage of first year students who return their sophomore year to 90%. That would put us close to best in class, okay? We've historically been at about 85%. We also want to move our six year graduation rates something closer to 80%. Eight out of every 10 students who arrive as freshmen after six years will leave this university with a degree. That are, those are the goals of our Pirates Persist program. I've already mentioned the teams that are working on this. Um, this has brought top of mind awareness to this issue across our campus. I had dozens of conversations with staff and faculty members with students last year. Many of you have engaged in this project as well. Greg says it takes a village to recruit a class. He said that every single one of those 692 students was, required, uh, was recruited individually. Well, guess what? Every student will be retained individually as well. Uh, we've picked a lot of the low-hanging fruit. We've engaged in best practices in order to increase our retention and graduation rates. We're now, in order to move that needle, we're going to have to dig deep and find some really innovative things to do and to partner with students in some special ways to keep them here. But I have good news. I have good news. We saw a tremendous improvement this past year. And I don't know if that improvement was due to the work we've done, top of mind awareness that we're giving to this, or if you're a statistician, just reversion to the mean, okay? But I'm encouraged by these numbers. The top line is our 10th day fall start for undergraduate first year students to the 10th day spring start. So this isn't fall to fall retention, this is fall to spring in the freshman year. So does a first year student come back after Christmas break? And you can see that that number jumped almost two percentage points, well, just slightly more than two percentage points now um, uh, among freshmen to 95.4%. So we saw a large increase in that number. Um, if we look at uh, fall to fall, um, let's see, 10th uh, day fall start, all, oh, and then all undergraduate students. So the top graph is just our freshmen. The bottom graph are all of our students combined. Again, we saw an increase in our retention rate fall to spring. 
But remember, Pirates Persist was really about improving retention all the way to graduation, but specifically also from first to second year. How did we do this past year? Well, you'll recall last year we had a really scary result. Last year's, or the year before, yeah, last year's, two years ago, that cohort, they retained fall to fall at only an 82.3% rate. And that was far below what we had historically experienced. But I'm pleased to report that we're anticipating that about 85% of our freshmen last year will return this fall. That is a great improvement year over year. Don't exactly know what it's all due to. If you look at the long-term trend, we average about 85%. So maybe this is really kind of, okay, this is kind of where we you know, typically are. But I'd like to think that this is because we're giving extra attention to this. And so we want to continue that upward trend. Next year, we want to see even better numbers. And I'm grateful for the partnership you're bringing to this effort. We have a moral responsibility, don't we, to ensure that our students who are here have every opportunity to succeed here. And that's what this is about. But we face some challenges in this area as well. Let me show you one in particular. The top graph here is the percentage of our incoming class that bring greater than freshman standing. So these are students who matriculate to the university as first year students, but they're classified as sophomores based on the number of credits or higher, Greg says, based on the number of credits that they're bringing in. That number is increasing. That means time to graduation is going to decrease on average. The number of students graduating early is going to increase. And that puts an economic strain on us. We're built as a four-year institution. And so we're going to need to start thinking about how we attend to these trends. Some of you may look at these trends and say, this is a good thing. This is our society doing a good job getting students greater access and speed through an expensive higher education degree program. Maybe that's true. Or perhaps you're on the side of, hey, a four-year residential program is about creating adults, and they need four years in order to do that. Whatever, however you think about this, these are trends that we need to think about and attend to as we move forward. Okay, a couple more special topics. Last year in the spring, uh, you may recall that we had a little bit of a dust-up. Um, not unlike a lot of college campuses across the country, we uh, were struggling on our campus with how do we weigh and measure our commitments, simultaneous commitments, to both free expression and academic freedom, as well as to civil discourse. And specifically, how do we weigh those things through the lens of Christian faith and a biblical worldview? Two years ago, I hosted a colloquy series that was meant to at least provide an initial look at how we might do those things. And that was a good starting point. But friends, the Ben Shapiro incident that we experienced in late spring last year, I think raised some important points for us. We need, we need to continue to think well about these issues. I do not know all of the answers in this area. This is as complex a set of variables, a co as complex a set of issues as I have faced as president. How to attend to the different ideas, preferences um, that are at play in our community. If I took a poll here in this room, I would, I would suggest we're probably deeply divided 
if we are a reflection of the American population on these kinds of issues. But that should not keep us from thinking well about this as a university community. And I have every confidence that if we think well together, we can come up with some value statements. We can come up with some, uh, not policies, but um, goals for ourselves in this particular area. And so after working all summer with uh, incoming faculty president Fred uh, Johnson, with several others, including Erica Salkin, who, if you know, is an expert on free speech issues, um, and also talking with Jason uh, in the board last fall, um, I've been encouraged and I'm going to form a presidential task force that will begin work this year, whose goal will be to help us think about how we articulate our values and goals around free expression and civil discourse. Um, if you're like me, you want to write policy. <laughs> you want to set some ground rules. You want to try to avoid the public scrutiny that we went through in the spring. And if you're like me, I hope you know that that's understandable. We don't want to inflict pain on ourselves. At the same time, if we write policies that aren't well informed by our values as a community, by our educational mission, by our faith in Christ, by the teachings of Scripture, and by the wisdom and through and in the community, we will probably not write policies that are very good. And so this task force will do work for us as we think collectively about how we might articulate those things. Um, I reflected as I put together the slide that Whitworth has historically, has almost without exception, upheld the values in higher education of free expression and academic freedom. I remember early in my tenure at Whitworth, um, uh, we alienated some communities on our right, more conservative communities, when uh, we went to bat for students who wanted to present the vagina monologues, for example, if you remember those, uh, that presentation, or because parents objected to using live nude models in art classes, um, or because of the uh, conversations we were having as a community about LGBTQ issues. More recently, I'm getting criticism and we're feeling pressure from more progressive or liberal communities who are questioning whether or not certain ideas should uh, be presented on a college campus. My point is that the winds of change are going to be blowing a lot. And so if we write policies that attend to only the pressures we're facing at the time, we're gonna be short-sighted. We need to write more durable language about what we believe in here at Whitworth and how we can protect the, the simultaneous values of both free expression and civil discourse. So that's what this uh, task force is intended to do. Um, so uh, I want to read you very quickly the charge that I'm giving this task force. And by the way, Erica Salkin has, I'm so grateful to her, has agreed to lead this task force. Again, as I mentioned, Erica, her subject matter expertise is in the area of free speech and free expression and constitutional law surrounding those issues. But this task force will not write policy, not write rules, but rather help us to reflect on what our values and priorities are around these two uh, particular issues, free expression and civil discourse. It'll address opportunities and challenges inherent in elevating both of those commitments here at Whitworth through our Christian lens. Um, 
We at Whitworth understand that many, in many cases, these two values, free expression, civil discourse, can be elevated simultaneously. They're not, they don't seem to be in competition with one another. But we also understand that at times these goods can appear to be in tension. So how do we navigate that as a community? So the statement that I hope this task force will come up with over the next year or so um, will develop uh, for us through multiple conversations with Whitworth's constituencies, research on how other institutions of higher learning are dealing with these issues, Whitworth's own internal statements found in various policy manuals, of course, our theological and biblical frameworks, uh, our own distinctive faith-based academic mission. All of those things will help contribute to what I hope will be the outcome of this. Some of you are familiar with our Christ-centered rationale for diversity, equity, and inclusion. This document will serve a similar kind of purpose. It doesn't tell us what we do around diversity, equity, and inclusion. It doesn't tell us what programs we offer. It doesn't tell us what policies we have, but it gives us a framework, a way of thinking and articulating what our values are. And I hope that this particular statement will do that as well. So in the coming days, uh, several of us will be continuing to work to put flesh on the scaffolding around this task force. But I can assure you that as a university community, students, staff, faculty, trustees, we will engage this issue and engage it wisely as I know we can. And, uh, and we'll continue to pray for one another um, as we do that. Last, we know that this uh, year is Provost Carol Simon's last year at Whitworth. She has announced her retirement at the end of this academic season. We're so grateful to Carol and her service to Whitworth, to Steve, for his engagement in the Whitworth family. Um, so we need to uh, uh, put ourselves to work here uh, to find uh, Carol's successor. And so working very closely with Fred Johnson this summer, Fred and I have formed a search committee that uh, will have as its task to identify and select Whitworth's next provost and uh, executive vice president. I'm so grateful to those who are listed, who will be serving on that search committee. We have hired Academic Search, the uh, firm to help lead this particular effort. We've already um, talked with our lead consultant, and very soon, literally within a matter of weeks, uh, we will be engaging you in conversations around this process, getting your feedback, getting your input. And so, um, uh, please keep this group of folks in your prayers. Um, they're going to be working behind the scenes um, all year in this very important search. Okay, I want to leave you with one last thing, and then we're going to head off to lunch. What I do want to do is I want to take you back to April the 25th, 2003. April the 25th, 2003. This is a Portland Trailblazers basketball game. Okay, um, and uh, you're going to see two characters in this particular video. The first character you will see is a young woman named Natalie Gilbert. Natalie appears to be about 12 or 13 years old. The second character you will see is a gentleman by the name of Maurice Cheeks, who was the then coach of the Portland Trailblazers. Natalie Gilbert had won a contest to sing the national anthem at the beginning of this playoff game between the Trailblazers and the Dallas Mavericks. And so she's going to sing the national anthem for us. 
but an interesting story transpires in the process. So if we could start that video. I was reminded of this video uh, not too long ago. I had seen it back in the day, I think. It looks familiar to me. Um, but I love, I love this video. It is for sure um, at times a cringeworthy moment, right? Um, if you're like me, you have a lot of empathy for people who are up on stage with a microphone, and when you see people stumble, especially in that kind of a moment, your hands start sweating and your feet start sweating. But I love this video because it says so much. We could probably spend 30 or 45 minutes unpacking this video, but for us, what can this video remind us of? I think this video is very much a reflection of what we do as educators. And when I say educators, I'm not just talking to the faculty members in the room. I'm talking to every single one of you who comes alongside our Mind and Heart mission and educates our students. I love this video because it reminds me of what good education looks like. Think about Natalie. This is a young woman who has got some chops. She can sing. She's got the ability. She, I mean, you heard her sing. She can sing. She won a competition. But she lacks a little bit of experience. She's not used to the bright lights. She's not used to the rockets going off, right? She got lost in the moment. But she's ready to be there, right? So she stumbles. She makes a misstep. The newness of the situation becomes overwhelming for her. When Maurice Cheeks, the coach, comes alongside, did you see how that scene changed? He did not take the microphone from her. He did not say, I've heard the national anthem song a million times, let me do it. He let her have the microphone. He let her keep center stage. And what did he do? He simply stood behind her. He let her know that he was there and that when she stumbled, he was ready to pick her up. To me, that is such a beautiful representation of what we do here at Whitworth. Our students are ready. They're prepared. They belong here. But they're gonna get overwhelmed. And that's not surprising. There's a lot to manage. We have this sacred opportunity, and I think this was a sacred moment. We have this sacred opportunity to come alongside our students and to support them and to encourage them, to, to not do it for them, to not uh, push them aside, to not remind them of their shortcomings, but to allow them to live into the people God has created them to be. And I loved the crowd. I loved that as soon as Natalie stumbled, we didn't hear jeers or boos or that kind of wringing of hands. The crowd got into it and encouraged her as well. And to me, that's that cloud of saints that we have around us. We know that we're engaged in the difficult, hard work of education. Let's support one another in that process. Just like we have the opportunities to stand behind our students and encourage them, we have the opportunity to stand behind each other as well. Because we're not perfect. We're not always up for the moment either. But we're ready. We're prepared. And we can use each other. We can support each other to accomplish what we've been called to.
Thank you for the important work that you have done to prepare for this year. Thank you for the work that you are doing um, in your various areas. Thank you for the spirit you bring to your jobs. Thank you for the dedication that you bring to our students. Um, there is absolutely no reason why the 130th year of Whitworth University can't be our absolute best year in history. And if it is, it's going to be by God's grace. And it's going to be because we work together to do the kinds of things that that video illustrated. So know that I'm proud of you. Know that I'm thankful for you, that I love you. And I love your dedication um, to this place. Um, it does feel a little bit like jumping out of an airplane. Um, but there, there are plenty of folks that will jump out with us, okay? So God bless you in this year. I appreciate all uh, that you bring to Whitworth University. God bless you. Thank you. Jacinta. Well, I thank each of you for your participation in this year's kickoff event, and I hope that you um, will leave here with a renewed dedication and enthusiasm about the beginning of this academic year. Since I am the only one standing between you and lunch, let me just quickly say, if you were looking for a po' boy sandwich, Ariana, it's not going to happen today. <laughs> The lunch menu I was giving um, was inaccurate, but nevertheless, we still have lunch today. And so each of you can go over to the hub and just walk through the lines and just enjoy the variety of the menu that Sodexo has provided for us on this afternoon. I said I was the only one standing between you and lunch, but I'm not. Dean Forrest is going to come and give a benediction and also pray over lunch for us, please. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray first and then we'll get that benediction blessing. Thank you, Lord God, the giver of all good gifts that you have given us this gift of coming to serve you here together in all our various roles. Thank you for all the celebrations of things we've just talked about and so much more, the ways that you have been at work for 129 years and ways you continue to be at work here. We thank you, living God. We thank you for the love of Jesus, that you have shown your love to us in action in his life and death and resurrection and ascension on our behalf. And thank you that you call us as your children to join you in your good work in this world and send us out to be a part of that here and many other places. We do surrender this year to you, thanking you for your hand upon it and praying that you would be glorified, you would empower and enliven our efforts by your grace for your glory and for your good work in this community and the lives of these students. We thank you for the food that we're about to have in front of us. Thanks for all the hands and animals and plants, all that have, have contributed to being in front of us. Thank you for the conversations and community that will occur over the lunch hour. Unify us in Jesus, our Lord, as we serve you and serve these students this year. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So go from here knowing the God who has gifted us and called us and given us a voice like that voice in the video to sing in our various areas on campus. And go knowing the God who has come to us in Jesus, put his arm around us when we were failing and said, I got you, who didn't leave us hanging but came to us in our deepest need and called us forward into his family. And go knowing the power of the Holy Spirit who enables us and empowers us to go out and do the same 
being the witness to Jesus that Steffi talked about before, the ones who witness to this true Son of God who has come into the world witnessing to His kingdom reign. Go knowing that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.